Good morning. How are y'all? I have a mug here. You're going to be reading it, so I'm going to tell you now. It says, being your favorite child seems like gift enough, but here's a mug. <laughs> After which, my daughter shouts out, you're welcome, <laughs> yesterday morning. <laughs> and then um, she proceeded to not even come this morning. So she's no longer my favorite, even though she assumed she was. She went home with a cousin. My two favorites are here, Ethan and Seth. They also know my love language, so Ethan gave me a cool mug from downstairs, the foundry, uh, one of those neat diner mugs, and Seth gave me a toy. The evil uh, Spock from the Star Trek uh, paranormal universe thing, the parallel universe, I don't know if you've seen that one, but the old Star Trek where evil Spock comes and he has the goatee, I got a, one of those Funko Pop toys from there, so that was pretty cool. And none of that has anything to do with the text today. But I had to set up my iPad. So, good morning, church. <laughs> uh, it's great to be here with you. Merry Christmas. My name is Nathan Atkinson, and I like going to church here. Now, that probably sounds a little awkward. In fact, it sounded really awkward about six or seven years ago when I was first asked to come up here and stand on stage to give a simple announcement, and I was nervous, and that's what I said. And I remember it because I said it, but I also remember it because I have a loving pastor who ribs me about it to this day. <laughs> but even though it was awkward, um, it was what I wanted to say. So let me tell you, uh, public speaking's not my thing. You may see me kind of shaken up here, but on that day, I, I thought about it, and I wanted to come up and say it because we were, we were rel relatively new to Bethel at that time. We weren't new Christians, but we were new to this church, to this family. Um, Sonny and I had come from another place through a, some, some situations. We decided to move. We weren't in a darkness where we were. God's word was being preached, but we were kind of in a fog, you know, and, and we felt like God was moving us, and um, so we had lots of friends here at Bethel, that urged us to come here. So what did we do? We looked other places first. <laughs> For a, a few months, we tried our own way. But when we came here, God used that time to touch us, to shine his light down, the sun, into our personal darkness, in our dry season, and to enliven us again. And for that, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. It was a refreshing time, and it still is. Uh, Sonny and I, we both jumped in uh, with both feet. We started volunteering here like we'd been here forever. I joined the mission team. I eventually became a deacon. Sonny jumped in teaching the kids downstairs. We participated in life groups and were leading a life group. All these things. But when I got on the platform that day, as nervous as I was, I didn't want to come up here and say, hey, I'm chairman of a board or I'm on the deacon. I wanted to say what was the most important thing to me. And that was um, that I stand before you today with joy that I'm with you, my brothers and sisters at this church. Um, I really like going here. And I didn't really say that before, but I do here. Um, I love being a part of this gathering as a family, as part of the body of Christ. Um, so if you're here and you're in need of a family, of the presence and love and camaraderie of Christ in the people that are around you, you can find it here. I can tell you that for sure. Um, so Merry Christmas to you, my family. I'm so glad that we're here today. So let's look at the text, but before we do, I'm going to pray, okay? Lord, thank you for this church. 
For the people who come faithfully and are united as the body of Christ, thank you for those that are new or guests that are here in our midst, both here and online. Thank you that they have deemed this place and our company valuable. What an honor. May we remember that value is only from you. Thank you for our pastors and leadership that week in and week out work for us. Bless them, Lord, as they shepherd us and continue to guide us in Christ. Lord, this morning, uh, I feel like a young Solomon, not a wise Solomon, but a young Solomon when he was inexperienced and young and he told you, Lord, I'm but a little child. I don't know how to go out or come in. And I'm in the midst of your people whom you've chosen Give me, Lord, today an understanding mind as I speak to your people that I may discern and rightly share your words for us all. In Christ's name, amen. So thank you again, Stephanie, for reading the scripture. Um, We're kind of, I guess this is like the postscript of Advent that we're doing today, but um, at the beginning of that passage, there was was some dark stuff going on, some gloom, some anguish, some... um, some heavy things. So what in the ancient history, sons of Abraham, wartime feud was going on at that time? Well, that's precisely what was happening. Generations of family infighting had occurred within God's people. And by the time Isaiah came on the scene, uh, the family had split up. The 12 tribes divided into two kingdoms. And Israel had 10 tribes, and they were ganging up on Judah, who had two It was like the older brother and his cousins picking on the kid's siblings and the kids playing right into their hands and making it worse. Maybe that happened yesterday if you had family gatherings. Maybe it didn't. Hopefully not. Um, But for Israel, the rift had become deep. It was generations of Hatfield and McCoy, Jacob and Esau, Cain and Abel, deep of feuding. Um, They were no longer brothers. They were disowning one another Israel had recruited neighbor bullies to come and help him, help them kick some tail. Um, the northern kingdom joined with Syria to attack Judah. And in Isaiah chapter 7 and 8, he prophesied that Assyria would come and take them out. And this happens. Meanwhile, the people of Judah were being led by their king, and they weren't seeking the Lord. They were following their king Ahaz into the depths of depravity, and they had turned away from Yahweh to seek salvation through witchcraft. They were um, looking to necromancers and mediums, the text says, which, of course, was fruitless. I mean, maybe one of them was turned into a newt, but he got better. (laughs) So God allowed Assyria to come down on them, both Israel and Judah, and by the end of Isaiah 8, it was bleak. In fact, the chapter ends with this verse, And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish and they will be thrust into thick darkness. And then, when our passage began today, the tide turns. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. So verse 1 of chapter 9 begins with a, a nevertheless the, the scripture on the, on the screen said, but, but I think that doesn't really cut it. Isaiah was bringing the promise of God to his people. It had been dark, nevertheless, he says. This is a saying with heft to get their attention. Hope it was on the horizon, so do not despair. Uh, it reminds me, like every good nerd, of the darkest time 
the Battle of Helm's Deep in the Lord of the Rings. Where's Andrew? Anyway, um, right, you know, there's dead elves and orcs and ogres and men everywhere. And Aragorn remembers right at that time the words of Gandalf when he says, On the fifth day, look to the east. And at that very moment, he looks up, and Gandalf is coming over, cresting the hill with his white horse and the cavalry coming to protect them, I mean, to rescue them. There's a heavenly glow behind, and here they come down with salvation from above. Um, it's like that. You know, that's the hope that Isaiah was, was calling. And so um, that hope was especially needed for the Galileans. We saw um, the tribes of Zeb- Zebulun and Naphtali by the sea, remember, Uh, Just a few weeks ago in Genesis, our study, Eric talked about Jacob and how he spoke identity into his people, and one of them was Zebulun, and he said, um, Zebulun shall dwell at the shore of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships, and his border shall be at Sidon. So the very people who are set up to show God's warm, welcoming hospitality to their neighbors in the port there, the the mission committee, you might say, of Israel, um, they had been the ones that became most despised by their own brothers. Through attack and through immigration, foreigners were mixing into this area, and the purebloods of Israel, the people in the south, had contempt for the Galileans um, all the way up to the time of Christ. If you remember when Jesus is coming onto the scene, even one that was going to follow him soon, he goes, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, that's what that's from. They just, they hated him, and the Galileans were in darkness. Um, But here, Isaiah promises glory for this forgotten seaside region. And as Christians, we know that God blessed this land as the home place of the Messiah, Jesus himself. The very area that was darkest is the first to see the glorious light of our Savior. Jesus lived there. He held much of his ministry in the area The mixed breeds and the immigrant Gentiles that were there were some of the first to hear the good news spoken from him. Now we turn in Isaiah uh, to what prophecy should be, right? It becomes poetry. It's no longer narrative. We're moving to poetry. The tense becomes past tense, but it's a prophetic past, a past that declares God's mighty, almighty work, the already but not yet, you've heard Eric say, or the days of future past, if you're an X-Men fan. I'm going to stop there and say that I have no sports analogies. (laughs) I'm a nerd, and if you've paid attention, you've now received a trifecta of nerd references. You remember, we had X-Men, we had Lord of the Rings, and we started with... Well, Star Trek was the extra, that was a bonus. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, that's right, the newt. Anyway, at this time, in the eyes of the Lord, who is above space and time, this prophecy is declared as if it has happened, even though Isaiah and his contemporaries hadn't yet seen it. Scripture says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You've multiplied the nation, you've increased its joy, They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. 
The people in Isaiah's time were looking for immediate deliverance, and they received some help with their next king, Hezekiah. Uh, Scripture says that he did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. But we know that this prophecy was more than that. It was a messianic promise. And Matthew records this coming to fruition in his gospel. In chapter 4, he says, um, Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, colon, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in that region and shadow of death on them, light has dawned. A harvest came. The yoke, the enslaving burden of, was broken. It's for cre- freedom that Christ has set us free. Galatians says, therefore stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And then there's this, this random odd reference to Midian. And I took a deep dive into the history of Midian. We're not going to go there, but it's very interesting. It involves a half-brother of Isaac, a priest who becomes a father-in-law and a godly advisor of Moses. Um, but sadly and ultimately, the familial bond with Midian that could have happened, that God's kind of set up, in my opinion, it didn't hold. And instead, Midian became an oppressor. Several battles occurred over time to the final point referenced here in Isaiah when God miraculously saves his people using Gideon, if you remember him, and 300 water lappers by the river in a strange night of confusion. He saves them and causes the enemy to flee in this crazed mania overnight, thus breaking the yoke that was placed on them by their oppressors. Isaiah, he's, he's using the terms of war here in monarchy, which is what the Israelites thought the Messiah would bring. Um, Though this is a prophetic statement to the Messiah, the consensus there was that there would be a new king, a David-Solomon combo perhaps, that could combine the wisdom of a counselor and the governing hand of, um, of a king that forces peace so that they could have this earthly king where they would become rightly on top again, just as they deserved. But we know that that's not what our Messiah brought. No, his kingdom is a heavenly kingdom that he brought to earth, not man's ways, not our own rule, but his. For unto us, it says, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. These are glorious words. A child is born... The human, true son of Adam, born of a woman, but a son is given, the divine, the son of God himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son for us, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. A Messiah who didn't come to take power as a king conquering men, to enslave or cast burdensome yokes on the conquered. No, he came and took the government upon his own shoulder, The Messiah has taken the weight of the government, the weight of justice, the burdensome weights that we carry upon his shoulders. In fact, he carried these weights of justice all the way down the road through Jerusalem to the mountain Golgotha, upon which he was then raised and killed. The sinless Son of God dying unjustly for our own justice once and for all. 
And today he'll take upon his shoulders the weight of government or burdensome law that you and I try to carry. We can have relief because he can carry it all. So here's what I think God wants to say to us today. And it goes along, if you were at the, the great uh, Christmas Eve service and you heard Pastor Eric speak, um, he spoke, he touched on it there as well. I re, I, so I really think the Holy Spirit wants us to hear this point. The people of Israel, they were living in darkness. You and I, we've lived in some darkness. In fact, some of us may be in a dark place today. Maybe, maybe like the people of Judah, it's a place of your own making over years of seeking your own way in the wrong direction. Or maybe you're now the recipient of years of strife and division from people who were once loved, once family, but now instead of strength and security that comes with being bound together, there's only loneliness and frailty. Careful, right? <laughs> I bet on this day after Christmas you didn't come expecting to talk about long-standing family feuds that grew into tribal wars or about darkness or about anguish. This is the Christmas season, after all, one of joy, of gifts, of song, of cheer, but for many, it's also a season where darkness and anguish presses in. Whether it be family feud, as epic as those of Israel, or strained relationships held together by a dose of superficial southern hospitality, or loneliness after the loss of separation for someone we love, or even beyond this Christmas season, I feel like we've been in an extended season we could call it two years maybe or more of unrest, whether it's from family, our neighbors, our community, national and world crises, the fact that your dad was just diagnosed with cancer last week or the fact that you may have been diagnosed with something um, scary right now. A fog of unease abounds and has been felt by many of us. The road's been paved for anxiety and depression, it seems, I've felt it, and I know and love many who have told me stories of how they're feeling it. The good news, though, the gospel, is that Christ is here. He's here to remove our darkness. Though the people of Israel may or may not have gotten the full meaning of this prophecy, Isaiah's words were leading God's people to look forward, to look away from the destruction of war and their anguish, to be reminded not of what had gone wrong, but of God's sovereign salvation, when he mentioned Midian and Gideon, and to look forward to his eternal salvation that was to come and now has already come for you and me. So today, if, if I were to have an implication like Eric always has or an application for my, our text, it would be one thing. On this day after Christmas, receive the gift of light of the sun and if you haven't the strength to receive it, to reach out and take it, then just turn your face to feel the warmth of the light shining down on you, and we can start there. We must not become accustomed to the darkness, resigning ourselves to believe that it's become so familiar that it's a new normal. But we also have, we're incapable. We cannot climb out of this fog ourselves. Have you ever been in a place where the fog rolled in? And actually, has anyone, did y'all drive to church here in the fog? The setting was uh, set. It was kind of cool. But even a deeper fog than that, I remember I was above that place, which was really cool. I, I had a trip to San Francisco, and I was up on a hill, the city down below, 
and actually got to watch the fog kind of roll in over the hills and down, and it filled the space like a blanket or like a f slow flood water that just kind of came in, determinedly flowing in, consuming the land from above, from where I was, where I could see this clear sun. It was a heavenly, um, it, was a, it was a sight to behold. But uh, if you were living in it, or if you are living in it now, um, from below where those clouds are engulfing, it's a completely different experience. You feel the darkness, literally. It's a damp, cold sensation to, that envelops you, and it's everywhere. You can't jump or climb fast enough to stay above it on your own. So the fog is there, and you're stuck in it. But hasn't lifted yet. How does the fog lift? By a great light. The warmth of the sun, the radiance of the sun, and there's a good pun there, the sun, S-O-N, S-U-N, it pierces through, it heats your world up and releases it from the cold, damp covering as it dissipates away. This is the prophetic word from the Lord that's given by the man Isaiah to us. What did he say? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. That's how God works. Not they'll see it someday. They have seen it. The God who transcends time declares through Isaiah as if it's already happened because it has. It's that certain. It was true for the Israelites, and we know it was true because the Messiah did come. And because he came, it's also true for us now. So if you're walking in darkness, the great light is here. The sun is given. The government, our own justices, whatever is enslaving us, he is here to lift what weighs us down upon his shoulders, to counsel us to be sovereign of us, over us, to love us, to take away our anxieties and give us peace. May we feel the warmth of the great light shining into the darkness, and we, may we lift our heads today so that we can feel it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Those are the words of our Savior for us today. So to close, I want to read the passage again as a meditation or a prayer. Um, and just, y'all, just let's soak it in. Despite whatever I just said, whatever blunders you heard from me, the stupid puns, let's finish with the lasting words from on high. Glorious, hope-filled, eternal messages, message of his Christmas gift to us. And if there's any here this morning um, who doesn't know this Jesus that I've been talking about, anyone who's never held with them this peace, who has not received from this wonderful counselor, who can or has only seen darkness around them, today can be your day. Receive these words and receive Christ Jesus. For those of us who do know but have not recently felt the warmth of his light or the peace that he brings, let the sun rest on you today. Look to him. Meditate on these words. His gift is to us all again. Every single day it's new and he offers it with joy. And maybe this is all familiar to you, and you know, and but you know and love someone who is walking in darkness right now. I just want to ask you to extend grace to them. They could be working through something unimaginable. For all of us, um, let us remember the light is here. As I read this, Isaiah nine one through seven, but there will be no gloom for her her who was in anguish in the former time. He brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, 
Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 